Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, welcome to episode 51 of the Autocar Podcast, My Week in Cars, with me, Matt Pryor, and Steve Cropley. Hello, Steve. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you, mate. I was interested to see your article on the Smart Hashtag One subscription pricing, says John Bentel, in a letter. Okay. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com, uh, as uh, John has done. Um, this trend has also invaded, did you know this, Steve, the world of motorcycling? The latest not. KTM 890 arrives with a demo mode with all the optional features enabled for the first 1,500 kilometres. Thereafter, one must pay for traction control, gearbox quick shifter features, cruise control, etc. This move has apparently left to some very vociferous negative opinions from the motorcycling community, with very few being positive on the subject. Oh, I bet. Well, I was thinking about this, though, because you showed me this letter. I've forgotten, but you showed me this letter. And, and uh, I suppose the one thing you can say in its favour is that you do get to know whether or not you want these features. Because I do find that in my trip through the configurators of the world, I find that there are a lot of things that I would leave out. Mm. And I, I kind of got the, the the one thing about this KTM idea is that you can try everything, can't you? And if there's I suppose three so. out of four things you don't want, yeah. and you leave them out. I suppose so. I just struggle. So this this letter comes about this now because of the uh, smart hashtag one, which might offer some features a heated steering wheel uh, via subscription, but but the hardware is there. I don't know if I feel differently about whether it's hardware or software yeah. or not. Or not. It does seem weird in the case of a steering wheel where the element's in the damn steering yeah. wheel. Yeah. That that seems really cheap, doesn't it? Yeah. I got a letter, uh, another letter this morning actually, saying that somebody had plugged in an OBD onboard diagnostics, diagnostics computer into a Ford, I think it was a Ranger in the UK to see what was what. It had heated rear seat elements in it. Those aren't even an option in the UK. Go but on. the heater elements are there. Oh, I thought you were going to say you turned them on. Well, you, maybe you can. Yeah, maybe you can. But it's not even, apparently that's not even, which I don't get. Why would you not 
if it, if they're in it, yeah, just if it's there, just just include this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the sort of what we used to think of as budget slash value manufacturers would do that, wouldn't they? They'd just give you more kit than everybody else to try and make you buy it. That's it. Just have it. Yeah. I don't know what's premium about not making stuff available for nothing. Indeed. <laughs> That's already there. I must say that you, you can't help thinking that the hackers of this world will, uh, oh, will have a bit of a good time with this. Yeah, I believe some Tesla hackers have done that. There's some stuff that so you They've turned can, on the performance. They've turned, yeah, they've turned on the bits. They've, they've, and the, you can buy a, I think you plug it in somewhere and it doesn't affect any of the onboard systems, but it turns on all the bits that are otherwise turned off. Oh, okay. So um, anyway... Over the next half hour or thereabouts, on with the podcast, Steve and I are going to be talking partly our respective columns, partly other motoring-related nonsense. But let's start, Steve, with steam in the square. What's that? Oh, well, there's, I live in the Cotswolds, as I think people probably know, and, and there's a not too far away, there's a really nice village called Fairford. They have a steam... They used to have a massive steam rally that it stopped, and now they've reinstated it, and... To announce this, they had a on a Friday night. They got a load of traction engines and old cars and steam chariots and just everything that you don't usually see on the road and mm. packed it into the local square, which is about the size of two postage stamps. But it finished up with a with a population of about thirty steam engines. And I went over there and had a wonderful time. And I just I just love the ambience. And, you know, people are sitting on the wall, dining out of the local chippy and mm. pints from the pub, which is on the other side of the square. It was just terrific. And the, the I think these local events above all are to be encouraged. I mean, we Britain's become famous for m- massive Silverstone festivals and Goodwood and all that. But honestly, the ones that, that are just down the road, they're as much fun as, as yeah. anything. I saw this fantastic contraption, which... I got really excited about it. It was, um, it was a 1925 Morris Cowley, mm-hmm. which in 1943 was given a different rear axle with huge tractor wheels on it. It had two gear, gear levers, so I think there must have been a supplementary gearbox somewhere. But it had been built for the war effort, you know, the mm-hmm. dig for Britain thing. And uh, there's a pic in the magazine. And... and uh, this bloke was trying to sell it, and I had to be restrained. Oh, there. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 40 <laughs> miles an hour top speed, he said. Oh, it's really? plenty. <laughs> What's it? Do, does, it, does it have a name beyond its... Is it no, he didn't seem to know that. It was just... Right. It was just uh, apparently, quite a few Morris Cowleys were done, because Morris Cowleys were, the, in effect, the Model T of Britain. Right. If the Austin 7 wasn't, that is. Hmm. And um, so there were lots, but apparently this is the survivor. Anyway... Is it a? Uh, it's not a. Mm. Now I'm going to no, right. Bear with bear with me, listener, while I just tr- turn my computer around to show Steve a picture I have just found. It's not that, is it? Not quite. Um, not quite. No, it's. Uh, it looks like a Morris Cowley at the front. Oh, actually, we, just it still looks like a Morris Cowley. Yeah. So the picture I've just shown shown Steve. Well, I don't know what it looks like. It looks like a. It sort of looks like a tractor, but it's got a massive piece of plank of wood down one side and yeah. a, oh heavens above! It looks like well, it looks nothing like a Morris Cowley. Hang on, I'm going to find it for you, mate. Because That's it's, very kind, it's, mate. Well, it, while you're finding that, mate, I can tell you about a. Oh, that! Oh my god! <laughs> Spectacular! It's good though, isn't it? Forty it's miles front. an hour. Yeah. The, well, that's terrifying, because that looks for all the world like a a tractor has rear-ended a Morris Cowley. Indeed. And 
<laughs> yeah, they've top, joined in the middle. They've joined in the middle at something. That is a actually the bloke. Now that I recall, the bloke yeah. did say to me, I, I said, "Is it okay on the road?" He said, "Yeah, it'll do forty miles an hour." And <laughs> you know, I was suitably impressed. And then he said, "But you wouldn't want to do it." <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Well, I uh, this will be in the magazine at some point in the next couple of weeks. Actually, it'll be out in the magazine today, thirtieth of August which is the, or today as this podcast is published, the original Unimog was, I went to the museum the other week as part of a, I drove, I drove a new one and everything else, but then we went to the museum and it has a, as you walk in the door, there is an, there is an old Ferguson tractor, one of the first exhibits, and, but it's next to the 1948 Unimog prototype, 46, 48. You know, more prototype, and basically, it's the juxtaposition of the two. Is is that actually in the mid forties, this was your lot. You know, you had these enormous rear tractor tires, skinny front wheels, yeah. two wheel drive. You sat on a piece of metal over the back axle, probably yeah. unsprung. And the original Mog engineer thought I could probably do better than that. Yeah. So he put two. These have got side under your side. skin, haven't they? Unimogs? Yeah, they're really. I mean, because you've been talking about them on and off for a while. Yeah, they're just they're so endearing i mean they've grown over the years they're enormous now they're seven ten tons you know whereas the original was tiny it's only as tall as your eye you know and, and you sit quite cramped inside but it was just a he just thought why why is that the best we can do can we not you know why don't, why don't we sit two people under a canopy the you know behind a windscreen the the novelty of that yeah and it had instead of having a uh instead of having to tow everything you know it had a load bed on the back so if you wanted to load it with churns of milk or sacks of potatoes you could do it and it would do i think 30 miles an hour on the uh, what did it do on the road i think 30 miles an hour on the road it's plenty. 25 horsepower but a lot more than a tractor maybe it was more than yeah it was 30 something 35 something like yeah. that yeah yeah and just, just well tractors in that era did about 10 didn't yeah they? they did virtually nothing uh, but even today the best i think the best inverted commas best road tractors are doing sort of 40 and a unimog will do 55 oh, right. so they're they're just they're just cool that's the other thing I mean people buy them because they save them money but anyway the was it fun did it, did it drive nicely yeah the, well I mean I drove what I drove the extreme off-road one off-road only but then I drove what they call the implement carrier which is the the ones you more often see which has got a really big glass area down the front and they're a bit smaller and you see them used for mowing and tree surgery and all that sort of thing yeah it drove pretty well it's easy to drive and the visibility is great they're sort of two and a half metres wide, so they feel big from that point of view. Is, is that a Merc? Because the ones yeah, I, I remember have got a, the roundel yeah. on the front. Yeah, they? they're, they're part of the star. Yeah, Daimler truck and bus. They're oh, part right, of right, gotcha. And they're now all built in the same location as Mercedes builds its trucks, as lorries, as it used to be down the road, which is where the museum still is. Well, you live and in the country, mate. There's parking well, out in front of your house and everything. Yeah, they're about 185 grand. That's the problem. <laughs> but I did I made the mistake of looking at the classifieds the other day. Oh. And there are some cool... You should avoid that, mate. If you're tempted by a Morris Cowley turned into a tractor, <laughs> I suggest not looking at the classifieds of old Unibox. What do they cost? Well, you could spend 10 upwards. 10 to, 10. 10 to 30 would get you a classic-looking trucky type thing. Four. Pretty cool. Go around the town. Pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, given you know, given the diversity of some of the other stuff you're looking at, I think it's you know, it wouldn't be an outrageous, uh, it wouldn't be an outrageous purchase. I, 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 mate, I'm sorry, mate. I've taken a complete tangent off of us, off of the, off of the pod subjects. Who cares? Tell me about the Watergate Bay hill climb. Oh well, Watergate Bay 
hill climb is important for two reasons. It's one of the first events that is uh, held after the change of the law that allowed public roads to be closed for motorsport events. Mm. Uh, Watergate Bay hill climb course is a coastal road near Watergate Bay in Cornwall, on okay. the northern Cornwall coast. And um, it's it's a really lovely scenic place, but it'll... Um, and they're running an EV class. And I just thought, in fact, I was talking to David Richards to drop a name. And he mm. said, why don't you get involved in this? Because he's the boss of Motorsport UK. He knows oh, that yes, I've got a, yeah. a weakness for, for motorsport, uh, for EV competition. Mm-hmm. Did a sprint in a Tesla last year. Enjoyed yeah. it. And uh, so I talked to BMW. They lent us an i4 M50, which is the 530-odd horsepower twin motor i4 and i'm gonna have a go at it and we'll see there's plenty to be getting on with isn't it the 550 i mean they're heavy aren't they but they're heavy is, and they've yeah. got a lot of torque from nothing and four-wheel drive as well and all the electronics you can eat so mm. so i think should there's half a chance of staying on the road i think if i'm careful but How but the thing that's great is that all that grunt will will sort of be able to steam up the yeah. hillside pretty fast is it a shortish tight twisty course uh i think there's both things there's there's some quite um wide open and steep bends so i my memory of it isn't good because i i've all i've only ever driven this place as a tourist so right voyage of discovery mate yeah cool <laughs> how, how how much of it do they use it's quite long oh, i think yeah i think probably three quarters of a mile or something Ooh, okay that's not bad is it yeah well i mean it doesn't sound a lot by some sort of European hill climb standards in that champ. The, no, the, oh, no, the no. big mountain side. No, it's a typical run, British, but, but short British hill one, climb. Yeah, yeah, they're quite often that sort of length, aren't they? But it's enough to be going on with. I, I will say the same thing. My memory is so rubbish that um, I can't more than remember a sequence of more than four or five bends anyway. <laughs> so that's all right. And the so there was a when was it five, six, seven years ago? There was a change of the law which meant you no longer needed an act of parliament to suspend that was it. road laws. Exactly right. right. Yep, exactly that. And that's and I think they've they've done it a couple of times before, but this is the first one with a pure with, with a a production EV class. Okay. So there'll be all kinds of heroes there and put Teslas and things that will will d- proceed to put me away, but I'll do my best. Mm. Hill climbing is one of those things that people can use production cars in without having to go through a yeah. massive rigmarole, not rigmarole, but, you know, having to... If you are going circuit racing, you have to... Oh, there yeah. are certain things that you have to do that yeah. you, you are not having to do with this. No, 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 no roll cages and things like that. But there is a thing called a vehicle passport, which which for an EV is, is rather exhaustive. I mean, I've got a list of stuff here. It says, cool. what is the charge system? What is the cooling method? What is the charge power? Um, who made the battery? Um, what's who the, made the battery? Yeah, the manufacturer. Wow. Number of inverters, location of inverters. So you have to you have to have this paperwork before mm. they'll, the scrutineers can give you a tick. But uh, you don't, the, the car is not modified don't yeah and they've all got a switch somewhere haven't they my experience of going on a circuit for track days and things like that yeah as, as much as we do track days in evs yeah marshals come over and go where is the big red switch yeah, that we have to yeah. take off yeah. yeah um steve and i are going to take a very short break we will be back with more my week in cars in just a moment what car would you buy if you could buy any car 
What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello, welcome back to the My Week in Cars podcast from Autocar. You can write to us at autocar at haymarket.com uh, as Simon Lambert has done, uh, hasn't he, Steve? He says he is the Chief Motorsport and Technical Officer of Caterham Cars. Well, oh, man. I couldn't help notice your Twitter comment, Steve, saying you haven't had as much fun in a car since the Caterham um, when you were driving recently a Jeep Wrangler Tudor. Yeah, it was a short one, yellow in colour. Maybe that's why the Lambert household, says Simon Lambert, has had a Rubicon recently upgraded to the latest version, short wheelbase, of course, for the best part of the last decade. There is something, there's something about them, isn't there? There's something about them. I do see a a kind of weird parallel between Caterham, which is all about recreation to me, Mm -hmm. and and a Wrangler, which is also all about recreation. You, You know, I've over the Wrangler thing. I need to stop talking about it. But they, but every time I, I see a Wrangler, we, I go and do another local byway. Not Nothing yeah. hard, but I just love the places they take you. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you could argue that the, the caterham's the same. You know, it just, it can, it can allow you to do things with your driving skill you didn't know possible. Yeah. In a way, the two of those together as a two-car lineup. Yeah, be pretty good, wouldn't it? Pretty it special, would be. I think. Yeah, and then just some, you know, Merco State to to go to the dump and take the kids to school. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah, I think that would be. So, is it still on the Cropley shortlist of things to replace the oh, departed God. Volkswagen California, which we began this podcast fifty-one episodes ago <laughs> with, and I think we talked about it in episode one. Probably did. That yeah. your your Volkswagen California that you had but didn't really use you were thinking no, about no, replacing no. it has gone it has gone but a year later we haven't yet got a replacement no 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 it's uh, i feel every time something interesting comes over the horizon i yeah. transfer my affections to that and this the yellow wrangler has really done it for me i do mm. think the short wrangler is a great thing but yeah me too but uh, i just haven't committed and mm. i'm Anybody that listens to this lot will now know that that I'm always con- permanently conflicted. But it, it, it would be of, on my short lift. It's part this. of the fun, isn't it? As well, it's part of the process and it's part of the enjoyment. Yeah, but I mean, last week or the week before, I was talking about Honda Ease. Remember that? Oh, you were, yeah. yeah. Now that is a fairly long step, isn't well, it? Well, yeah. Imagine being a car marketing person and somebody saying right well identify you know who's going to buy one of these cars and then go well actually the same person is thinking what they can what are they getting out of and getting into yeah honda e or jeep wrangler short yeah it's, uh, it's uh, you know having bought a vw camper yeah i mean that is that is as nutty as you like isn't it i i, I shouldn't do it out loud should i we do. I mean, we do have these the little at the end of the first drives. We run. We run a little. You know, the rivals section. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I laugh. Yeah, I'm not sure. I put. I did the Honda E first drive. I'm not sure. I put Wrangler. Short no. in there. But they're great. They're so honest, aren't they? They are yeah. such a. Uh, it won't. The story won't be out by the time this podcast comes out. But I went up to see Twisted the other day in Thursk, who are the modifiers of Defenders, yeah. and they've done a Suzuki Jimny, and. Um, 
the gaffer up there was saying, well, look, you know, they 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 both offer this very honest analog driving experience, and I think the Wrangler is yeah another one. Yeah. I just love the honesty. I do love yeah. the honesty. The Wrangler is actually if you if you if you sort of half close your eyes and you know don't think about it too much. It's actually reasonably capable. I mean, I drove it back and forth to London from here, which is a round trip of 180, 90 miles, mm. without any angro. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's showing almost 30 mpg on the on the meter. I, I could have done it. I mean, lots of people would say it was balmy, but, but the fact is I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it, not that long ago, everybody drove cars that were as noisy as that. Yeah. And it wasn't a big deal. Anyway, what about you and your... Do you remember, that it's only a couple of years since you went to Spain and back in the family Defender, yeah, yeah, cruising yeah. at yeah. 60? Yeah, it drove to... Um, it was a it was a new one. Well, you know, an old... It was one of the late 90s. I think it was a 2013, 2014. Oh, uh, OK. So it wasn't my own, but it was the same spec. It was yeah. the latest engine. But it wasn't... Yes, it was a de- Defender. Did France in a day. Yeah. It got pretty... It was pretty warm when we stopped at the end of the day. But it was... Yeah, it went to the... Went to Portugal. It's bottom of yeah, bottom of Portugal. And that was okay. Yeah, and the also, kids were with you, weren't they? Or some yeah, kids? children were in the back. Yeah, and they, it was it was weirdly it was it was colder in the back than it was in the front. So you sit in the front going, oh, it's a bit toasty, and you get this little shout from the back going, oh, it's really cold back here. Can you turn down the air conditioning? <laughs> but it was, um, and also three years ago, I drove with a photographer and videographer to the uh, Friedrichshafen in a Wrangler to do the Christmas road test. And that was no bother. Yeah. No bother at all. That's my feeling. I, I, th- I think it wouldn't suit everybody, but I've mm. just got a feeling it might suit me. Yeah, I think you'd, I think you'd enjoy it, mate. Anyway, I'll let you into a secret. I said oh. to, I said to uh, the, the blokes that run the fleet for Stellantis, yeah. when this car gets defleeted, can you give me a call? Please? Excellent. That is, a, <laughs> that, that is an encouraging sign. <laughs> Don't that tell is, the missus, okay? I wouldn't dream of it, mate. Yeah, no, I, my lips are sealed. It goes no further than, uh, than, us, than us two plus the listener. Um should we talk my column brief? Yeah, let's go. I was yeah. reading The Times yesterday, day before yesterday, and there was a, um, it was about supercars. Yeah. And there was a, uh, a sentence in it which suggested that the uh, veteran luxury car dealer, Tom Hartley, sells well, a lot of cars. Yeah, good, does. Very good. Sells, sells an awful lot of cars. Pretty he knows the market flow. better than anybody else. It said he could, um, he could lay claim to coining the word supercar in, as its use in Britain, and I thought, I'm not sure that's true. No, I'm sceptical about it. No, that. and it's it's not. Now, this isn't a plug for the archive, unusually, <laughs> but because we have because we have access to uh, 1895 to 2023 of auto car issues, I thought, where does supercar come from? Because if you look on the sort of encyclopedic bits of the internet, it's not actually that clear. I mean, we all, I think, most of us know what a supercar is. Yeah, you know, it's probably mid-engined. Italian two-seat Lamborghini yep. Countach, yep. Ferrari BB would yep. epitomise it, I guess, yep. something yep. like that. But um, I don't know where it started, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll look it up. And if you search, put it in quote marks, supercar or whatever, it turns up, the first turns up in Autocar in 1915. 15, um, 1-5. 15, 1-5, yeah. Um, in an advert for the King Car Company, which is an American car company, made an eight-cylinder car, and they said... To ride in this supercar, but they hyphenated supercar, super dash car, is to eliminate the mechanical presence in motoring. I mean, wow. they say it in an American accent, obviously. Uh, and then, uh, and, and then in the following years, in the early 1920s, Rolls Royce Bentley 
Lanchester Farman. I didn't know who Farman were, but they were another sort of high-end car manufacturer. Very German. Oh, I don't German. know. I don't know. IG Farman. No, no, anyway, they used they used the word in they used supercar, yeah. possibly hyphenated, usually hyphenated in their adverts. And then in 1921, it turns up in an editorial piece about fitting cars with aeroplane engines, oh. which is encouraging. And yeah. it says, "What could be more interesting than to marry the two, a big engine, an aero engine, and a chassis, and thus obtain a supercar, <laughs> super dash car again?" Yeah. Um, and you know that definition of supercar, super supercar hyphenated or not, is kind of sort of holds up. Does kind of holds up now. That's the yeah. idea, isn't it? It's special. It's got a great yeah. engine. It's fast. You know, happy days. Anyway, it then falls out of tends to sort of fall out of use. Doesn't get much use, and it doesn't come back until uh, 1967 in a review of 68 model year American cars. A US writer introduces the reader to the supercar, like the Pontiac GTO, Fairline GT, Fairlane GT, sorry, and Comet Cyclone. Uh, and he's talking about the highest end muscle cars. Yes. And then we use that term in a Detroit notebook column, which Autocar runs throughout the 1960s, late 60s. And it turns up quite a lot uh, in that. And then in 1970. Even Tom was a boy then. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, yes, because he's born early 60s, I think. So he's... Anyway, then in the, in the 1970s, we test the Di Tommaso Pantera and we say it's shattering performance and spectacular good looks. Put it fairly and squarely into the supercar bracket. And that is the first reference I can find where it references a not-US muscle car. Yeah. But that car did have a Ford V8, didn't it? It, uh, yeah, and yeah, three fifty one. Yeah, yeah, and we suggested it was a is a potential sort of follow up to the Ford GT forty as well. You know, is this a successor to the Ford GT forty? So maybe my thinking is, and I don't know for sure, but maybe at that point, supercar follows comes with the engine. Yeah, to mean something other than an American muscle car. Yeah, yeah. And then so. by nineteen seventy four. Uh, well, by 1973, we're talking about these supercars, where we referenced the Ferrari Boxer and the upcoming Lamborghini Countach. And by 74, there's an article which is supercars, the end of the line, question mark, <laughs> uh, which is about the Countach as it enters production. Because um, we say, look, will speed limits, tightening legislation and the lack of opportunity to use its top speed make it the last of its type? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> So and that's it, and then it's become common parlance ever since. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so I was, I was happy to, I'm not, to know a bit more about where it comes from. I think. Yeah, it's amazing to to think yeah. that it goes back to 1915. Yeah, yeah, and I think by the early 20s, I think it means what we think it means. Yeah. It's a, it's special. Got a, it's you special. Know. It's got a big engine. Yeah. It goes quicker than everything else. Yeah, amazing design features. Yeah. Blah blah. Yeah. 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 Pretty cool, I'd say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice research, mate. Well, the Autocar Archive, if you search <laughs> Autocar Archive online, it turns up at the top of the uh, top of the tree. Yeah. Which is nice. It's, I mean, it's, oh, no, I don't want to bang on about it, mate, but it's such a good resource, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. It is just terrific. I mean, the thing is, we, it's, um, the, the, the only problem is you, it, it kind of reduces your workload, uh, your, um, your, your work output, doesn't it? Because you get well, yeah, diverted. You yourself, yeah, because you think, I'm just going to go and check. <sighs> oh, it's fine. When it was downstairs in the basement and you had to go all the way down there 
that would you know you could lose <laughs> hours but at least you know at least it, you, have yeah. to, you have to go down for the purpose but not so not so um, that brings us just about to the end of this week's pod well done are you away mate are you away between now and next time yes um, but yeah a bit of a holiday with herself in uh, mm-hmm. in Skanderweja oh super yeah it'd be good super excellent we like it up there they're, they're, they're nice to you up there yeah yeah, very good. Are you, you're not driving, are you? No, 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 no. On the uh, on the on the BA, see how Excellent. they see if they've recovered. Excellent. Good. Well, uh, we will be back. Steve and I will be back um, this time next week with episode fifty-two. When do we? What's the appropriate time to celebrate? Is it the end of fifty-two? Or I think it is must it the be start of fifty-three. Yeah. That's the 53 should be the one because yeah. that's the actual first anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Like it does not seem like a year to me. No, it doesn't to me. I'm amazed. Yeah. But we, I think we, we're going to be something like 210,000 downloads by then. That's pretty good, isn't it? It's well, it's show, isn't it? a little bit surprising. Two idiots rattling on. <laughs> Sponsorship opportunities are available for this product. My understanding is, having spoken to some bods in the office, that they say, yeah, we might go out and try and... So I don't know, if you're listening and you think you'd like one of our dulcet tones to say... Alan's Nuts and Bolts. Buy Alan's Nuts and Bolts. They're the best nuts and bolts you've done. <laughs> this pod is brought to you by McVitie's Jaffa Cakes. That's it. That's yeah, it. That's I it. mean, it's brought to them by Jaffa Cakes, whether they sponsor it or not. Frankly. Yeah, so, you know, that's it. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, yes, Steve and I will be back this time next week. Thank you, Stephen. Oh, mate, pleasure. Uh, thank you for listening. See you soon. Bye.